I'm Elizabeth Rushing, and this is the ICRC Humanitarian Law and Policy Blog, Audio Edition. War, Law, and Humanity The Role of the ICRC in International Armed Conflicts The international armed conflict between Russia and Ukraine has seen the involvement of several humanitarian organizations on the ground, including the International Committee of the Red Cross, the ICRC, working hard to alleviate the suffering of those caught up in hostilities. In this post, ICRC legal advisor Melina Fidelis takes a closer look at the role of the ICRC during times of international armed conflict, explaining the organization's mandate and the activities it can carry out. Born out of an appeal to introduce a minimum of humanity into warfare, the ICRC was founded in 1863 as a neutral and impartial organization capable of working on all sides of front lines to aid those enduring the hardships of war. Over the last 160 years, the ICRC has carried out its work in many international and non-international armed conflicts, developing its activities as the needs arose, seeking to find solutions for victims of armed conflicts. Many of these activities have been enshrined in the 1949 Geneva Conventions, or GCs. In particular, the conventions mandate the ICRC to undertake certain key activities in international armed conflicts, IACs, for the protection of prisoners of war, POWs, and civilians. Additionally, as an impartial humanitarian organization, the ICRC also benefits from a right of humanitarian initiative, enabling it to carry out a variety of humanitarian activities during IACs for the protection and relief of affected populations. This post aims to provide an overview of the ICRC's activities in international armed conflicts. The ICRC's legal mandate under the Geneva Conventions. In the wake of World War II, the international community once again realized that the rules of war were in urgent need of revision. Rallied into action by the ICRC, states adopted the seminal 1949 Geneva Conventions. Under these important treaties, the ICRC was bestowed with a supervisory function, the right to visit POWs and civilians finding themselves in enemy hands, to supervise whether they are being treated in accordance with the conventions. The ICRC's legal mandate in this regard is established in Article 126 of GC3 and Article 143 of GC4, which explicitly foresees that in times of international armed conflict, states must permit the ICRC to access POWs and protected civilians, wherever they may be, and allow the ICRC to converse with them freely and without witnesses. The ICRC may also freely select the places it wishes to visit. Parties to an international armed conflict may not, save under exceptional circumstances, exclusively concerning reasons of imperative military necessity and then only for a limited period of time, impede the ICRC's access to such individuals. Nor may they predicate access upon assurances of reciprocity by the opposing side. 
In furtherance of this role, it is clear that the ICRC must maintain a meaningful dialogue with the parties to an international armed conflict, enabling it to remind them of their IHL obligations and raise its concerns with them bilaterally. To maximize the efficiency of this dialogue, the ICRC has adopted confidentiality as its preferred working modality. Through bilateral and confidential representations, the ICRC fosters a relationship of trust with its interlocutors, which is essential for its work. The ICRC's operational discretion is a tool which enables the ICRC to discharge its role as effectively and consistently as possible. By instituting the ICRC's supervisory role, states introduced a critical humanitarian safeguard into the conventions. This is all the more so in light of the universal ratification enjoyed by the Geneva Conventions. Every state in the world has committed itself to allowing the ICRC to fulfill this supervisory function. But also, by virtue of Common Article 1 to the Geneva Conventions, to ensuring that every other state in the world equally respects IHL, including the ICRC's role. In addition, the Geneva Conventions welcome initiatives by other organizations to carry out humanitarian activities during times of armed conflict. For example, Article 125 of GC3 and Article 142 of GC4 foresee the possibility of relief societies visiting POWs and protected civilians, namely in order to distribute relief supplies and material from any source intended for educational, recreational, or religious purposes, and for assisting them in organizing their leisure time within places of internment or POW camps. Such visits, however, should not be conflated with, and may never substitute, the visits carried out by the ICRC under Article 126.3 and Article 143 of GC4. Indeed, the ICRC's visits under the latter provisions are carried out in the framework of the supervisory mechanism envisaged by the Geneva Conventions, and their main objective is to ensure that POWs and protected civilians are being treated in accordance with the IHL standards laid out in GC3 and GC4, respectively. In acknowledgement of the ICRC's distinct role, Article 125 of GC3 and Article 142 of GC4 emphasize that, quote, the special position of the ICRC in this field shall be recognized and respected at all times. The importance of the ICRC's role in international armed conflicts is further underscored by the relative abeyance of the System of Protecting Powers, or PPs arguably intended as the primary supervisory mechanism under the Geneva Conventions, in the decades following World War II. Since the adoption of the Conventions, protecting powers have only been appointed five times, whereas the ICRC has maintained a working presence in virtually every international armed conflict since 1949. As such, if not for the ICRC, there would effectively be no institution legally mandated by the Geneva Conventions to supervise their faithful application by the parties to an international armed conflict. Moreover, in the absence of PPs, the ICRC has been often called upon or allowed by states to take on activities that are primarily foreseen for protecting powers. This has been the case, for example, when it comes to the role envisaged for protecting powers in POW trials, or in the transmission of information between the parties. 
Essentially, the ICRC's legal mandate delineates the boundaries between what the ICRC can be permitted to do and what the ICRC must be allowed to do. Granting the ICRC access to POWs and protected civilians during international armed conflicts is a legal obligation for states, which may not be subject to political equivocation or instrumentalization. To prevent the ICRC from performing its role would erode the overarching humanitarian objectives of the conventions, namely to protect those who are not or no longer taking part in the fighting and might also result in an IHL violation. The ICRC's right of initiative as a pathway to humanitarian action. While the Geneva Conventions carve out a specific supervisory role for the ICRC, they do not preclude or restrict the organization from undertaking additional humanitarian activities. Such activities are based on the ICRC's long-standing right of humanitarian initiative, a treaty-based right enshrined in all four Geneva Conventions, granting impartial humanitarian organizations the right to offer humanitarian services, subject to the consent of the parties concerned. The right of initiative is central to the ICRC's role in international armed conflicts, providing a crucial pathway for the organization to broaden its scope of action and respond to the needs that arise during war. In fact, the vast majority of activities carried out by the ICRC during international armed conflicts are based on this right, which long predates the organization's legal mandate under the 1949 Geneva Conventions. The Geneva Conventions do not specify what sort of activities can be proposed under the right of initiative, apart from clarifying that they must be geared at the protection and relief of concerned beneficiaries. As such, the ICRC enjoys a wide margin of discretion in the activities it can propose and undertake during international armed conflicts. For example, the ICRC may distribute humanitarian aid, engage in the provision of healthcare services, offer forensic expertise, undertake activities relating to water and habitat infrastructure, or deploy weapon contamination experts. On the other hand, when it comes to protection activities, the ICRC can make representations to authorities on their IHL obligations, deliver IHL trainings to armed forces, or lend its good offices to the parties to facilitate the implementation of any agreement between them, such as, for example, on the repatriation of POWs or dead combatants. As a neutral intermediary, it can also offer to facilitate the safe passage of civilians out of conflict-affected zones, propose the conclusion of a ceasefire agreement, or facilitate the registration of POWs at their point of capture. The right of initiative is not restricted to the ICRC. Rather, it can be exercised by any impartial humanitarian organization, such as NGOs or National Red Cross and Red Crescent societies. Nevertheless, the ICRC remains the only actor referred to explicitly by name in the relevant provisions, as a clear example of an impartial humanitarian organization. In fact, it is worth observing that there are several such references to the ICRC throughout the Geneva Conventions and to their additional protocols. Usually, they serve to suggest activities which the parties could task the ICRC with as an impartial humanitarian organization, especially when they are unable to carry out the relevant task themselves. 
These references will often guide the activities which the ICRC may propose to parties under its right of initiative, in line with the fundamental principles of the Red Cross-Red Crescent movement. The ICRC's CTA in International Armed Conflicts Another crucial role played by the ICRC during international armed conflicts comes in the form of its Central Tracing Agency, or CTA, which dates back to a first agency that the ICRC set up in the Franco-Prussian War in 1870. The CTA is an integral, permanent structure of the ICRC, deriving its mandate in international armed conflicts directly from the Geneva Conventions and their first additional protocol. It helps prevent people from going missing and restore family links by ensuring that a trace of their whereabouts is kept and shared. One of the CTA's most important tasks in international armed conflicts is to collect and centralize information on the fate and whereabouts of prisoners of war, civilians deprived of their liberty, and other protected persons, including fallen soldiers in the hands of the enemy. As part of its role as a neutral intermediary, it then transmits this information to the parties and to the families concerned. While the ICRC's CTA can gather information through various sources, a key pathway envisaged by the Geneva Conventions for information to arrive to the CTA and the families is the National Information Bureau of the Parties to an International Armed Conflict. It is therefore crucial that parties engaged in an international armed conflict establish and diligently operate their respective national information bureaus so that the information pathway envisaged by the drafters of the Geneva Conventions can function properly and the ICRC's CTA can fulfill its important humanitarian role. A prophecy fulfilled, the enduring commitment of the ICRC. In 1862, in his memory of Solferino, Henri Dunant proposed the creation of a neutral relief society, which would be capable of bringing some humanity onto the battlefield. He presciently observed that, quote, humanity and civilization call imperiously for such an organization, unquote. Over the last 160 years, the ICRC has unwaveringly committed itself to this appeal, working steadfastly within the framework of its legal mandate and right of initiative to protect and assist people affected by armed conflict. Today, amidst the enduring realities of war, Dunant's appeal still echoes strongly. If you enjoyed this audio read, be sure to check out our full library of posts at the ICRC Humanitarian Law and Policy webpage at blogs.icrc.org slash lawandpolicy. You can also tune in to our new ICRC podcast, Humanity in War, on how international humanitarian law and policy protects the lives and dignity of people affected by armed conflict and violence. Humanity in War will be available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.